This is a news laundry podcast and you're listening to NL Hafta. Angrez apna lagan aur news laundry apna hafta kabhi nahi chhodte. Welcome to the Diwali special of Hafta. On the panel today we have a formidable panel. We are almost in full strength and we have a very accomplished guest from Quartz. Earlier she was at print, but before I introduce her, we have Manisha Pandey joining us from Dehradun, where she's gone on holiday. But we asked her to please join us on Hafta. Welcome, Manisha. Hello. We have our executive editor Mehraj with us. Hi, Mehraj. Hello. We have Madhu Trehan. Hi. And joining us is Diksha Madhok. Hi, Diksha. Hi. Thrilled to be here. Uh, you are an editor and director of platform at Quartz India. you oversee content spanning business that sounds very fancy technology popular culture and politics oh you see popular culture do you listen to a popular culture podcast called awful and awesome entertainment rap not that much have you at all no not even one. i don't listen to podcast much because i don't drive and i've moved to audibles recently which i love i see okay chalo it's a start uh, she has been with thompson reuters in new delhi and was associated with the print as well as digital director She's done her masters from Columbia University and has been part of the founding team of two media startups Quartz and The Print. So we have two Columbia grads here. Madhu and Deeksha. Also a couple of announcements I want to make. Uh I'm going to be in Bangalore the week after next. That is the week that starts on the 4th of November. I'll be there I think on the 6th, 7th. So we are contemplating meet up there for subscribers like we have had in Delhi and we've had in the US. in Boston New York so do write in and let us know if you're from Bangalore and you're a Bangalore subscriber and then if you have any suggestions where we can meet we I'd, I'd like it to keep it somewhere near Indranagar cuz we have a bunch of meetings there and I could meet all of you we could you know get uh, some inputs and advice on what we're doing right what we're doing wrong and uh, it's always good to meet subscribers cuz we got get a lot of ideas and we get a lot of people volunteering to do stuff for us so uh, let us know If you're going to be around, write into us at contact at newslaundry dot com. I repeat, contact at newslaundry dot com. If you're a subscriber in Bangalore who happens to be in Bangalore, and that's like a Wednesday, uh, would you be able to make it to a subscribers meet on Wednesday? Also, there is some award called the Asia Podcast Awards, and Asia Podcast Awards has a very dodgy aesthetic because we have been nominated in two categories as the best. podcast and education podcast the let's talk about series and the best asian podcast matlab ye bhi nahi ki indian asia's best podcast for awful and awesome so you can go to asiapodcastawards.com and vote for us in the relevant category the last date for voting is october 31st so if you two have dodgy aesthetic and taste do contemplate or consider voting for your favorite news laundry podcasts On that note, we have a bunch of headlines. Uh, but before I get into that, uh, Diksha, what is Quartz doing? What What is the new new look Quartz all about? I, I believe they're doing some new exciting stuff. Uh, to begin with, we are uh, well. We have a new owner now, so it's a Japanese company called Userbase. Okay. And uh, since our acquisition, we've decided to go behind the paywall. So it's a metered paywall, and we'll be doing a lot of. Uh, most of our journalism would be uh, for our paying readers, whom we are calling members, because and we are calling them members because we are also building a community. We are figuring out ways how we can connect our newsroom to our readers, and we are 
We've recently launched a new app, which is going to be a business and tech news aggregator with a commenting and a community functionality built in. So um, as I explained before this podcast started, it's going to have the best of pocket, best of Reddit without the toxicity. I see. So, so other than copying News Laundry, what else are you doing? <laughs> Nicely done, but uh, um, you'll see. Okay. The launch is in December, so we'll see. No, I, I think I just walked into it, right? <laughs> you did, didn't you? But no, I have maintained for the longest time, as has Madhu, that the future of news only lies in subscription. If you remember, Madhu, in 2012, Log Hum Ha! But who's laughing now? Anyhow, so... Um, so this is what we have for you this week. It was an action-packed news week. Those of you who have been following the election know Maharashtra and Haryana had a very exciting final lap. It was covered wall-to-wall yesterday and a lot of people were gloating, saying, see, you were wrong. And a lot of people were saying, oh, we were wrong. We are so cute because we owned up to it. So we shall be discussing the Haryana and Maharashtra election. There were some huge upsets Mr. Khattar, I think seven of his cabinet ministers lost. Uh, Mr. Surjewala lost from the Congress. Uh, meanwhile, in Maharashtra, the young Thakre won. And uh, he seems so different from his grandfather, no? And if you see his demeanor when he talks, he's such a sweet boy. And his grandfather, there was nothing sweet about him, like nothing. But then what does he bring to the table which is different from his grandfather? I don't he's know. He's sweet and all, but... I, I, I'm very surprised that the Sena is still relevant. But, I mean, personally, I, I do think that it's good they're around because they seem, you know, better behaved than the BJP. Can you imagine? <laughs> Who would have thought? As I, I think I recall there was a, one incident in which he stepped away from the Shiv Sena stand and he, well, and he tweeted it. I think it was against some lynching or something like I that. I think one was the forest, the Aray forest. He was, and oh, then they the said Aray that your, your, you guys are in power. Why don't you land up there? But he did tweet about it. So, anyway. Uh, meanwhile, um, yeah, and on that, the Shiv Sena and the BJP had press conference at the same time, both indicating that they will be, the chief minister will be from their party. So I think there is still some tension there. And of course, the fact that Priyanka Chaturvedi, and I think it's very good she's done that, has spoken against, what is his name, Kanda or Konda? The Haryana rape, uh, alleged uh, rapist. Kanda. Kanda. Gopal Kanda, yeah. Because someplace it's spelled as K-O. Anyway. Usually so it's, it's K-N-D-A. K-N-D-A. Gopal Kanda, yeah. So it's Gopal Kanda, who, those of you who weren't following the news a few years ago, uh, ran an airline. He's a rich man from Haryana who runs an airline and does many other things. And one of the employees uh, committed suicide because she said that he had exploited her and promised her something and he was having this affair with her. And uh, after that, when... The case did become a big deal in the media. Her mother committed suicide because of alleged pressure by him. Basically, he seems like a son. He seems like a villain from a Sunny Deol film. And uh, he won as an independent. He actually has a party, Haryana Lokhit Party. It's called. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah. But he might as well be independent. Yeah. So anyway, we'll discuss that. Then there was a U.S. Congress hearing on Kashmir, which was very interesting. Uh, we've carried an interesting piece on that. We shall discuss a bit of that. There was also the congressional hearing of on Facebook of Mark Zuckerberg and how he was getting scolded by that lady. What was her name? AOC. But Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. The way he addressed... Congresswoman. 
Congress. So it was almost like an abuse. No, he, no, there were two. That was of course that was a young lady. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. the older lady who heads the the, the diversity uh. or this. There's, there's one more, this one. Facebook has more than $46 billion on record in cash or cash equivalents and marketable securities. Are any of these funds managed by diverse-owned companies? Yes or no? Uh, yes or no? Congresswoman. Yes or no? I, I, don't, I don't believe. So I take that as a no. You have a stable of big law firms that work on your legal cases around the country. How many diverse-owned or women-owned law firms are contracted by Facebook? Number. Just give me a number or range. Congresswoman, I don't know. I take that as I don't know. How many women or minority partners work on these cases? Congresswoman, I don't know the answer to that okay. question off the top so of my head. So did I'm you review the packet? Let my time. Did you review the packet that went out in notification to you and your team about what was included today and diverse asset management was in it? Did you read that? Uh, Congresswoman, I, I There's a piece of legislation that I'm working on that was in the packet. Did you or your team review it? Obviously, that's a no. Do you know who the, do you know who the firm that you employ for civil rights is? Uh, Congressman, I, I don't know. How could you not know when you have employed the most historical, the largest civil rights comp firm to deal with issues that are major? And, and this is what's so frustrating to me. It's almost like you think this is a joke. She is a African-American lady. She must be about maybe 70 or 80. And she uh, heads, I think, a committee which is a civil rights committee. She says... Apparently, Facebook doesn't have enough representation in the leadership. The law firms that they use are not law firms that have... I didn't know in America, even law firms are gauged on how representative their partners are or their founders are. So basically, as far as minority representation is concerned, gender, race, color, it is the worst. So she just took him to the cleaners. She says, we sent you... Because he didn't... She says, can you tell me the law firm that you use is it representative? He didn't know anything. He says, we sent you a docket that this is all the stuff we're going to ask you. Have you even bothered to read it or you just you think there's a joke? She actually scolded him like a school teacher just taking a child apart. Even there was a congresswoman, congresswoman, he, he does that. You remember there was a, I think last year or the year before, there was a similar case with an engineer at, I think, Google or Microsoft who, read, who wrote that gender memo saying we don't have more women because basically they're not capable of doing this I, kind of work. I, I remember that, ca that case, but I don't remember the congressional hearing. Was it no, a hearing? No, there's not a hearing. Okay. I'm saying, but this comes oh, from the same thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. You're not diverse, you're not this. And but tech is notorious for that. Why yeah. is that, Diksha? It's a Silicon Valley problem, right? Because you have fewer women going into STEM courses, so you have fewer women... It's it's like there are a lot of issues, mm. but one of them is is begins from the fact that yeah. there are few women who are taking fact, this I've, up. I've recommended this uh, podcast earlier on Hafta on um, it's an NPR podcast where they talk about why this is the case and right from the time where all the video game characters up the default characters male, including that it was the second most downloaded app at its time Temple Run. Hmm. And the, the the characters called whatever Johnny something adventure whatever his name is, and then the a twelve year old girl wrote to the founders, and that actually app is created by an Israeli couple. She said, "If I'm a woman, if I'm a girl, if I want to have a female avatar, you know, they call, then you have to pay for it. The default is always male and a white male, and that's when then Temple Run you could have a default avatar, could be a female or 
a person of color and then they spoke about how that was the case across video games uh, and that's because most you know in the 70s when the pc had just come about 80s or whenever it became it was kept in the boys room so interestingly i think vox has just released as part of their explained series on netflix they've just released an episode on coding Hmm. and the impact on internet if you don't have enough diversity enough women enough brown people black people asian people well there are a lot of asian people who are coding but generally this is about what the internet is going to look like if we don't have that and it's it's a really scary picture oh sounds interesting i'll still watch that but yeah we will talk about the us congress hearing on kashmir in some detail then infosys was in some deep shit there's a class action suit in the us uh apparently a whistleblower has said a bunch of things including that they are fudging you know how they show their profits or how they measure them but he also said that the ceo and one more board member talks about CFO. the independent uh, cfo yeah. talks about the independent board members as madrasis and the two madrasis and what's the third person he talks about ha she is a diva kiran mazumdar show i don't care what the diva says and madrasis say so i i mean being half madrasi i must say i found that kind of funny not that he called us madrasis but that this was like sent as a whistleblower's complaint i would yeah and it was published by tekken herald also the about these things but yeah. this is the second time in 2017 they had a similar whistleblower's complaint about uh, when the previous ceo he had to ha uh, he had to step down because partly because of that so it was the same thing corporate account fudging and basically financial fraud and stuff no that was over an acquisition oh right he yeah, acquired yes. a company that they an did israeli like. company so it involved something like similar was, about financial it was uh, it was later on they said that it wasn't accurate but vishal sikka had stepped down had by that step time down. even uh, narayan murthy i think down. he stepped down ha huh, narayan murthy also had to sort of step away from the company because well, of yeah that. that was because the allegation was that narayan murthy was um, not letting go in the sense that that when sikka came about he was being too interfering so i think that is why um, under board pressure of public health either you run it or you let the guy yeah, run it yeah. and it was one of, there were many pieces written on how founders find it hard to let, let go yeah. of a company so the interesting thing is that with infosys most of these whistleblower there was another one over the salary that was paid or not salary the severance that was paid to one yes. of their executives so most of almost all of these whistleblower complaints have come once the once they've had non founder ceos Vishal Sikkan now. But it's interesting how Nandan Nilakani has to keep spe- stepping in every time. There's a crisis. Saves the day. He is still the non-executive chairman. Chairman, right. right yeah. he, I mean, he... Yeah. yeah. Then there was this murder in Uttar Pradesh. Uh, Kamlesh Tiwari, who has been, you know, in the news for a long time because he was one of those who spoke. He said something about the prophet and he was uh, jailed for that. and he was you know used by the hindu right that if this guy can be jailed for this there's no freedom of speech whereas if if anyone says anything against hindus they are encouraged and there's freedom of speech anyway he was shot and killed and it emerges of course the investigation is still happening that it was because of um, what he had said earlier uh, the first reports that came out said that it is some personal rivalry and in fact his mother kamlesh tiwari's mother went on television channels and accused the chief minister yogi adityanath of not doing enough to protect him and then of course all sorts of allegations came around but she's the one who 
who gave this guy a tongue lashing, right? That that anchor who was trying to communalize it. Yeah, yeah. Sumita Vasthi. Wow. Sumita Vasthi still has a show, or is he? My God. I, you know, one would assume after something like that, you would not get to anchor for at least two weeks. Here, it makes no fucking difference. You'd like, I don't know. Anyway. So yeah, that happened. So uh, there was the Kamlesh Tiwari murder. And in other very big news, the NCRB data is finally out two years late. That is the National Crime, what's the full form? National, National Crime Records Bureau. Bureau, huh. National, there it is, National Crime Records Bureau. And this, I mean, now I don't know if that is always the case. It leaves out data on lynching, cup, and religious killings. But I'm not entirely of the view that it is left out because of um, you know malicious intent. I do genuinely believe it's very difficult to... I mean, it's too subjective. Like, for example... At least, at least um, for the police, collating lynching data should be easy. Yeah. Because, you know, uh, we would register as access. So, I do think they should have given out. I think it must be... I think it could be deliberate. And also, they were going to give us data on journalists, crimes against journalists, which didn't come out. Oh, yeah. The crime with journalists hasn't come. And... Um, also, Abhijit Banerjee won the Nobel and he wa- met the Prime Minister. I thought that was a very interesting meeting. I thought both of both the men handled it quite well, considering I'm sure neither can stand the other. So they kind of maintained some sort of grace there. And the social media linking with Aadhaar, that case is making waves again. I have no idea how the hell they plan to do it. It was all over prime time as well. And there were some other international protests that I'm going to talk about right at the end. And finally, Jammu and Kashmir, there were the local body elections. And since none of the other mainstream parties other than BJP contested, it was swept by independence. There are 217 blocks have been won by independence and BJP has won 81. But the way it's been presented in the media is like very misleading. Like what? These are indirect elections. People don't vote in these. So these are block development councils and they have existed forever. But Mm. this is the first time elections are happening. So in those uh, elections, only the punches and sarpanches vote. And when you had the panchayat elections last time, like 60% of punches and 45% of punch seats are vacant because they were not contested 30% of the wards had no candidates so these are like this handful of people who are dependent entirely on the government now in these situations so it's like Sarkari officers voting yeah so they just took them and vote vote karlo bhai so it's not like the people have voted <laughs> yeah, yeah, so it's, yeah, yeah, it's misleading like that. yeah that's an important distinction so let's start with Manisha because we can't see her and so we should not forget that she's there so Manisha uh, on this election the most mm. spectacular thing was other than the India Today poll, all the other polls got it spectacularly wrong. Yeah, very, very. So, what the fuck? Like, should that matter? <laughs> I think, A, um, kudos to Access My India and India Today also, because uh, apart from the fact that they got it right, I think it takes a lot of confidence for them to have, uh, especially in the competitive world, the television news is for them to wait for a day. So while everyone's exit results were out uh, the day the polling got over, India Today said, we're not going to put it out today, we're going to put it out tomorrow because there are some different numbers that we're getting and we want to be sure. So on that day when everyone was waiting, like BJP, TNC, Congress, ka Supra Saab ho or, uh, you know, decimate ho jayegi, uh, India Today actually said that, okay, we're going to wait. So I think that was quite uh, admirable and, you know, and... <laughs> While they were doing this, of course, like the public was taunting them. Arunab has this uh, juvenile way of calling our Tuk Tuk channel 
ಬಿಜೆಪಿ and then uh, 2019 lok sabha again access said that uh, bjp is going to they gave them some crazy numbers and they were right and this is the third time so maybe exit polls are not really as i mean we shouldn't vilify them as much as we do and maybe you should do them if you actually see this put a methodology to it or if there is some sort of rigor to it uh, you could at least come close to the result so i think that was quite interesting and yeah waiting for a day for me was quite i don't think you see that very often on television channels where channels are okay to not rush in and say okay we'll wait for a day yes. of course they had a great time then on the day of the election rajdeep and uh, rahul uh, was whistling on it i think the drama <laughs> became a bit much even last time that the same dude tried crying that everyone was saying you have got it wrong but we stuck to our guns everyone telling him sangi and saying yeah and then he started crying and all i was like fuck take it easy dude crazy numbers uh, all this but he was I mean that was yeah, a bit much again they were getting senti and I, I I think you're being too charitable to opinion polls but anyway Deeksha I'd like to know what you think No I think this is actually non-journalistic when a, a journalist or a news organization any starts this that we first you know we've done made fun of them or we got it right they have to remember they're not the issue they're not a subject matter nobody cares whether you got it right or wrong It's okay you got it right so you just have to go on and on about it it's just plain non-journalistic nobody cares but you think that's any credibility to polls in general even if this this particular company's got it right by mistake because i don't as i've said many times mm. before i don't think people ever tell the truth I to the person who's taking the poll they look at your clothes they look at you they see what you want to hear and they tell you that deeksha what is your view I actually had a question for Manisha. She said that uh, the access guys they just have a lot of rigor and new methodology. So how is like how is it that they are able to get this right? Actually, uh, if you read the document that they put out, uh, they've explained party uh, the results and they've given an uh, it's kind of I guess it's just a question of putting in some rigor and uh, some you know robust questioning because they do talk about jart anger. uh and no one was talking about it except i mean news on we had a ground report that talked about how the jats had really really upset and that was one of the deciding sort of factors they talk about the dalit vote anger also they talk about a failure of caste coalition so there is some sort of thinking that seems to have gone into it at least if you read the access mindia document that they put out explaining uh, some of the reasons that they think for behind the numbers But uh, do you think there is anything sensible about polling or pollsters? Because I remember this company called Chanakya had got three right on a trot when everybody had got it wrong. 2014 ke baad, the Delhi election, they got it right. Then the second Delhi election when everybody had said Kejriwal is going to go down, they had given him like a handsome victory of like 58 seats. Of course, he ended up getting 67. And then after that, a third one, I don't know which was the uh, next. Bihar. Bihar, they got mm. that right. And I was saying Chanakya Even- is the only smart one. but then soon it was a question of time before like ritik roshan's first three hits the next three were flops so <laughs> i i don't know if there's any th- so yeah diksha what is your view of these 
I'm not an expert. I am more interested in knowing if their methodology changes with time, which is why they uh, is that the reason why they're coming up with fresh results. But I'm I'm actually talking as a complete outsider. Hmm. Uh, this is not something that I've ever reported on. So uh, I'm just curious to know more about why there is such a big difference. Where are you from? Which is your home state? Delhi. Oh, your Delhi state. Achha, okay. So so uh, you have any feelings about what happened in Haryana and Maharashtra? I think uh, so. I feel that now it you know we we it felt that nationalism would pull uh, BJP through and mm. now it it seems that they cannot hide economic woes any longer. Right. And and that's what mm. we are going to see increasingly. I think this this is shows us you know that whole silent voter because even all the rallies that I saw being covered everyone from Vasu to Sardana or whatever not Sardana the Arjitak dude I forgot his name everyone was all ra ra 370 clearly that's That means the people who are on camera are not representative of the lot of people who are not on camera. That's exactly the point I was try- uh, I would like to make. Basically, all this political pundit election analysis that happens in India, I think elsewhere also is based on faulty premises. One is that there's always one motivation for people to vote the way they vote. I don't think that's the case. Maybe there's one dominant motivation, but there are less and less of motivations. In a country as diverse, as vast, as complex as in India, that's always going to be the case. For example, like uh, another thing is when this happens and this is also based on another presumption that all voters are like these individual rational mm. uh, actors who go out and vote and what they think about it. That is not not how it happens. you go to a, a place and it's usually the family votes in a certain way the entire family or the entire community votes in a certain way they vote on the basis of caste they vote on the basis of religion or maybe their immediate kin sometimes somebody is somebody's neighbor he has a quarrel with his neighbor and the neighbor votes for somebody else so you'll vote for his rival like that that is one point the more important point i think is which never gets talked about whenever elections happen is i think since at least the late 90s after the first burst of the past mandal politics elections in india and this may be an unpopular thing to say but elections in india have become useless Matlab in the sense whichever party comes to power it's a cliche we say democracy is a government by the people of, of the people by the people for the people but by which people which section of the society who are the people if uh, bjp goes tomorrow and the congress comes in power which section of the power, uh, society is the go- uh, power going to transfer to same section so it's basically ghar ki ladai and this dynastic politics has only made it worse what happened is like in the early days of the indian democracy there was this promise that when the original parties started coming up especially in the south and elsewhere that power will go to the people they represented the ground movements the lower mm. uh, classes and lower castes that happened to an extent then uh, the mandal politics happened and you had another section of the a polity which we thought the power will go to the obc classes and all that but that didn't happen why that didn't happen because i think the leaders of those movements were sort of more concerned with immediate gains they gave some some hmm. basically scraps to all these people all these communities they didn't give them real power and that is why bjp is successful now because they have broken up all those coalitions the dalit coalition is broken the obc coalition but is broken but i think it's only true for the north um i i i mean i get what you're saying and to an extent it's true but i think that's too cynical a view because even the recently we have seen the muscle flexing by the regional parties of dmk and mr shan modi having to take a step back on the hindi uh, you know on the hindi nationalism debate it 
I think it works at various levels, but yeah, I'll come to that. Madhu, what yeah, do you no, think? Yeah, no, I mm-hmm. know that South stands out a bit, a little mm-hmm. bit, but in the rest of the country, that's been the case. So that's why BJP is successful, like I was saying, because now you have, if you have only scraps to give, there is only a limited amount you can give it to them. So and then there is this is this grand coalition. So you only manage to give it to uh, the Jata vote, and the rest is angry with you, and they go somewhere else. Somebody who promises them something else. Hmm. Okay. I think the interesting thing about this election is that the Congress, despite doing absolutely nothing, with no <laughs> leadership, with zero any input or output, it was like absolutely not functioning as a party. In spite of that, they were able to get what they did. So obvious, the obvious question is that if these guys really got their act together, put a leadership in place that is functioning and pull the party together again, one has to say again, meaning long mm-hmm. distant past, maybe they'll be amount to something. Well, you know, one doesn't know. I remember, when was it when Mayawati swept the UP election? That was 2004 or five? Or six? Parliament election or the... Uh, no, uh, the UP, uh, when she became the chief minister. Yeah, early 2000s. It was early 2000s. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, at that time also on, ch- on channels, there was no BSP. It was, you know, BJP, Congress, SP. She had said, we do not talk to channels. BSP did not even have a person on debates. And she swept. I think everyone's attention is on her, on, on Rahul. I mean, of course, I have no way of knowing this other than just anecdotal, some reporter in Haryana telling me. But Mr. Huda was really doing a really tremendous job of campaigning around in Haryana. And he had his network who was really trying hard. He hadn't considered this a walkover, even though the Gandhis may have. So, and because the media's attention is on the Gandhis, one assumes that others aren't. I mean, of course, that image of Sharad Pawar giving a speech in the rain is doing the rounds, and that was key. But, but uh, yeah, I do think regional uh, players uh, played a big role. But, but that is uh, sorry, but that is what used to make Congress like such a dominant force once upon a time. It had those powerful regional leaders mm. who could command votes on their own. Uh, Raj Shekhar Reddy there in Andhra Pradesh, like is the most recent example. And you had in uh, even now in Punjab, Amarinder Singh, who doesn't need to depend on the Gandhis, co- yeah. Gandhis to get sure. votes. So yeah, I mean, I mean so but uh, the one thing that I find what actually ties in a little what you're saying, Miraj, is this Kanda guy uh, who. BJP was, you know, agitating against and now he's supporting them and Mr. Khattar might... I mean, now, of course, because Priyanka Chaturvedi of Shiv Sena has very outspoken. She said that how can they take this guy's support? And in fact, she had, if you remember, quit the Congress for a, gen, for a reason that, that these people were taken back into the Congress who had misbehaved with her and women and said some some nasty things. So, yeah, I think that's that's great that um, at least... Some, but But... Aap got less than Nota over there and Suraj also. Yeah. So clearly... Uh, surprise, surprise, surprise. Uh, can I just add something on... Uh, just something on what you guys said. Please. One is uh, on the silent photo bit that we talked about. I don't know if it's such a question of silent photos uh, or if it's a question of reporters that are just not interested in listening to the voters because... We sent our reporter, and he's no election, you know, expert. I think he's in his second election, and it's very clear from the copy. And we specifically sent him to the backland because that's where there is a sort of nationalistic fervor. A lot of them joined the army. You know, this is a constituency that is that is kind of taken in with nationalism. But if you see that report, village after village, 
people are talking about agrarian crisis, water crisis, and unemployment. Village after village, everyone has this problem. You know, from so the same narrative. And they're saying that, okay, Modi did 370, fine. Modi did Balakot, fine. But what has Khattar done? So, hmm. I, do, I don't know. If, I just think that if reporters were asking questions, really going from meeting people or meeting from people from village to village, I don't think you can get some sense of what people are thinking about. I just think that doesn't happen on television. Print is different. I do think that happens on, on in newspaper reporting. But because of constraints of space, you don't see such, you know, sort of long, deeper stories. And uh, on the Hudda thing, yeah, there was a very interesting report in Indian Express today where they felt uh, Rahul Gandhi has been away and he hasn't really said much since Haryana's win. But um, the thing was that Hudda wasn't allowed to fully function on his own and call the shot till the very end. And Rahul Gandhi was still sort of kind of interfering and not giving him complete reign. So maybe the one good lesson for Congress could also be that Rahul Gandhi just like back out now. Oh, that Tanwar guy also resigned, the, right? The Haryana chief Congress, what was his name? Tan, um, something Tanwar. Tanwar, yeah. Who's married to mm-hmm. Another notable thing is that there was no major violence in this election. That's a big thing in, in Haryana. Haryana. that too. That's a big thing. Mm. Yeah. Nobody notices it's the good news. Congress guys celebrating when the, when, I mean, if you look at the final results, it's the BJP forming the government. So it's yeah. funny to see that they set themselves up for such low ambitions that they were actually celebrating Dole by Dreteki. So everyone was like, God, all yeah. second done, it's still the BJP government that's come back. So. Uh, anyway, we'll let's move away from the elections now. I have an email to read. And after that, um, I would like our panel's views on this Ravi Das temple case and I shall tell you what that is. But first, this email from a subscriber who doesn't want his name told. He said, please call me Udalak. I don't know why he said Udalak. What does Udalak mean? Does Udalak mean anything? Not that I know of. But before I read Udalak's mail, I have the following appeal. Please pay to keep news free. Subscribe to News Laundry. Go to newslaundry.com. And click on the subscription button because when the public pays, the public is served. When advertisers pay, advertisers are served. If you don't support news, news will die. Advertisers can't support news. They will only serve themselves. And for a variety of reasons that I could go on and on and on and on about, we need you to support news. It doesn't cost very much. Click on the News Laundry's subscription button and pay to keep news free. And if you're listening to this podcast on any other platform other than the News Laundry website on Stitcher or Star, uh, what's it called, CastBox or SoundCloud. Give us a high rating, write a favorable review. More people will discover us and more people will subscribe to us. And then we can send more journalists like Ayush out on the field to report. So Udluck says, Hi News Laundry, a few comments of a listener and subscriber on the Hafta 245. The quality and form of journalism going down. I'd want to add that what... What was missing from the discussion? A, freedom of expression and non-interference from government. One of the reasons Newstrack was good was probably because government did not interfere with it so much. And the reason why US media has a lot of high-quality journalism. Madhu, is that true? They used to try to interfere. The only thing was that there weren't the level of vindictiveness of cases and and, uh, and jail and all the rest of it. The, they did interfere. They would cut off access. 
uh, which was not a killer for us because our stories were not that political uh, politician based mm. in any case they were more social interest stories human interest stories what was happening around the country uh, very um, different kind of stories of journalism rather than just what is this politician saying so in that sense they it depended on which administration for example rajiv gandhi himself did not interfere but his goons did hmm. vp singh did not interfere at all uh, so to an extent what udilak is saying is true there wasn't the like calls didn't come to your office saying that no, call line no calls okay. but the calls were not uh, intimidating yeah no they were like almost like we didn't like the story you didn't do this whatever so there were discussions we were given i would call feedback sometimes tough feedback mm. yes once in a while you'd get a threat here and there but they never followed up on it yes there were threats but the threats were never followed up then udla goes on to say that another reason is the change in demographics of the consumer you might find this interesting too as people become more rich they demand from market what they enjoy at the time of news track the demand was coming from few rich and at the risk of inviting the epithet of elitist more informed and the words of tavleen singh people who had a world view and i know that abhinandan is going to throw fit but by it but it's by law of statistics that half of people will have below average iq and below average capacity for analyzing complicated nuanced arguments and that would mean that as people with lower intelligence will get access to the market of media content they would demand stuff which appeals to their taste well it seems offensive but you can't really argue with his statistic approach to, to it but <laughs> same can be seen in cinema there will always be more demand for judwa 2 than queen see their box of his collection but that doesn't mean there won't be space for movies like lunchbox and connecting it to my first point that for quality content to be created to have access to the market of listeners who enjoy nuanced argument you would need freedom of expression which is limited in our country and to the extent freedom of expression is controlled you do have people like hartosh manu joseph and platforms like lalan top and to some extent news laundry though i understand you're not making much money who can earn a living by informing people by making nuanced arguments i know i have crossed the word limit so please so much space only so much space is left for praise but i think you are doing a great work and it was refreshing to have the full panel with madhu abhinandan anand present together and what he has suggested is can we organize some sort of debates more provoking discussions between hartosh and amit verma moderated by you and saurabh devedi and if anand could develop the appetite for pushing back and hard without getting irritated would like actually will be happy to learn to know that we are going to be starting um, i won't give all of it away but we'll be starting two people who disagree but respectfully uh, of the kind that you've spoken about taking up a subject and arguing with each other about it So yeah. Now uh, I want to come to you with this. Uh, have you been following this uh, temple case, the Ravi Das Temple in Delhi, the, which the Supreme Court just ruled on? So uh, for those of you who uh, have not been following, it's an interesting case. Uh, they directed the center to rebuild Saint Ravi Das's temple in Delhi's Tughlaqabad area. It stood there. It was demolished uh, on the orders of the court only. for i think it was because it was unauthorized uh, in the it, it was a case that had been going on for long like a legal case so after yeah. the court directed it to be demolished the court has said now it should be rebuilt now it's the supreme court the earlier it was the high, high court, court. Yeah. so um many are saying this is a precursor to what is to come a do you th- what, what do you make of this judgment and do you think there could be such a well orchestrated choreography that this president can be given for 
the forthcoming judgment on Ayodhya. In that case, they'll have to rebuild, rebuild the, the mosque, mosque right? <laughs> <laughs> so, no, so uh, I, I mean, did you, did you follow this news? And what do you think this means? Does this are we reading too much into something that is actually completely benign? I don't know how this will reflect on the other case. Hmm. Um, I saw on Twitter people were like, I mean, someone has to create jobs, so this could be. <laughs> A, a job good creation. Way of, yeah. A, you know, you destroy. Don't build infra. Yeah. And then you rebuild. <laughs> no, basically, the because this is a Dalit uh, temple. Hmm. So they had been protesting and everything, and nobody listened to them. That's uh, what I was talking about earlier. It's uh, basically your distance from power, your right. marginalization. You know, something interesting happened yesterday. So that phone over there rang. And uh, so I answered it. And the caller says, uh, is this news laundry? I say, yes. He says, I'm calling from Andaman and Nicobar. And then he says, do you know where that is? He's calling wow. into a media organization and he wants to know, do we know where it is? Because he is so distant. So I said, what's the problem? He is a student there. They're protesting. <laughs> There's a protest going on at a university. It has been de-recognized. A lot of problems and nobody is listening to them. He says, there's no media here. There's nobody to talk to because they are, it's a union territory. So it's ruled directly from it's Delhi entry. and basically it's some bureaucrat they don't even know about. So these are the kind of power mm. equations we have to be tuned into to understand why so these I things are happening. I hope you're doing a story with them. Yes, 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 we're following it up. But who's going there to report? Uh, they are, this is for the... <laughs> I'm immediately thinking of the bill. And I'll volunteer. I'll do it on the phone. No, we have phone. a... Uh, sorry, so I would... Uh, we have this campus politic right. initiative. Mm. So uh, the for those of you who don't know what it is, uh, basically if you are at a university or a college and uh, something is happening that you think it's the newsworthy. public should know is newsworthy so you can write a, uh, into us and if there's a story there we'd love would be allowed to carry it and there's a small sum as compensation we'll pay for that but yeah, uh, yeah. so write into but us go through some sort of um, uh, editorial vetting yes, yes of course so right um, now uh, I'd like to briefly talk about these protests you know if you listen to that podcast the the, the BBC daily news podcast it's an epidemic it's but it's, it's the thing is, it's so beautiful and you know this is what, what I'm saying you know I think some people are pissed off in my last to last hafta rant about we are just very sadawa people Indians uh, you know we are like we have this shit expression on our face when we go about our daily our day I don't agree at all I don't agree Why at do all. Why do you take a walk with me, Madhu? I, 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 <laughs> listen, I take a walk every day. Hmm. I see people at bus stops. I see their faces when they miss a bus. Hmm. All right? I've seen people miss a bus in America and I've seen people in India miss a bus. Hmm. It's a very different reaction. And I think that no matter what hardships people are going through in India, and the hardships, I think, are far greater than in the West hmm. that I have witnessed, I think... On the whole, our people have a spirit that is generally a fighting, joyous spirit. There's a lot of laughter in families, in lower middle class families. There are a lot of jokes. I've seen uh, labor. You walk sure. past them, they give you a smile. You chat with them. They love to give you information about their children and what they're doing with their schools. Today's labor is sending their children to school. For me, that's a big thing. No, of course, uh, it's. I think there's definitely aspiration. A, on the World Happiness Index, none of this kind of seems to reflect. 
we are lower than countries way poorer than us. No, but I, you know, I, that's a survey hmm. because hmm. if somebody was to approach someone on the street who's going through the daily hassles, that my card has been lost, that my car has been lost, that you know, there's no power in my house. You know, those daily hassles. And on any given day, you ask any Indian who is usually going through some daily hassle. All of us do. But that's true for every country, right? It's not everyone no, is asked no, that. No, the daily hassle, they asked that everywhere. But the daily hassles in India are much higher than in Western countries in pure survival I'm terms. But Pakistan, they are higher than us on the happiness index. Countries much poorer than us are higher than us on the happiness index. And I, sorry, you were no, saying I, something. I, I, can I, I just finish? Mm-hmm. I think it's an attitudinal problem that actually, this is my, mm-hmm. there's no survey. <laughs> this is just my gut reaction. Mm-hmm. That I think from my personal experience, I think that when you ask someone that how happy are you, they're going to be thinking about the last problem they're dealing with in India. So they're going to say, look, I'm, in, I'm, in a, I'm strapped, I have this, I have that, I have this problem, that problem. But when you see them functioning on a daily basis, no matter what economic level they are, you go into a basti, the way they're bustling around, the way they're hustling. What choice do they have? I don't call them sarod. I don't call them sarod. I'll tell you. I think, I think Indians you. are not sarod. I think they, I, I admire their spirit of fighting and and still I find most people are cheerful. I mean, you, when you, when you, when somebody bangs on your car asking for money and you roll down the window and you start actually talking to them and it ends up with a lot of laughter. Well, but I'll come to that. But what what is your view on the whole, what my comment? Actually, I was going to connect this to the epidemic of protests. And when you see the quality of protesters around the world, right now, for those of you who don't know, there are protests happening in Hong Kong, Lebanon, Bolivia, Chile, and of course, in India, everywhere else. I have a theory so, for that. Uh, I think hmm. bec- the protests are happening because more than any recent time in the world, there, there are more autocratic regimes and autocratic decisions taken. And also wealth uh, inequity. Inequality. I mean, yes. And wealth inequity. In, yes. in South America, that's there the problem. There is always wealth inequity, but I think people are more aware that because of, how of their rights. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that there is this, these two things, that there are extremely autocratic and corrupt regimes and people are re- reacting to it. So then let me lay the context and then, you know, Diksha, you can get the mic for as long as you want. And then Raj and Manisha as well. Basically, there's this lovely video on the BBC where Robin and his mum, Elaine, were driving through protest in Beirut. And because so many people around protest, the child got scared. And the mother was in the middle of like these hundreds and thousands of protesters and the child is scared. And she tells the protest, my child is scared. So they start singing Baby Shark and dancing to make the child feel secure. Now, yeah, I, have been your, I have been in, the, in Banaras for the campaign. Indians are aggressive dicks. Especially when they're in big numbers. It doesn't matter where the child is them. I've been in Bombay during Ganesh Visarjan. See how they bang your car and try to intimidate you. Indians are dicks. They are unhappy dicks. Sorry. No, sorry. Now, yeah. Isn't so, that a bit of a generalization? Because uh, the, there was also that, uh, you remember last year, that farmers' protests, that huge. That was one, which is why so much was made of it. See how that was one out of 100. Yeah, but there was a similar <laughs> thing in Delhi also. And if, like Kashmir, it's always protests, right? And if you see, it's like this similar stories, small, small stories, small acts of kindness everywhere. 
Sorry, I have seen very few acts of kindness. I have gone out. You say anything when in India, they're ready to break your head. You go out for a campaign, they're ready to break your head. You go out, you board a flight, and someone cut a new line. So, bhai, piche aajao. He's ready to break your head. There is no one is being nice to anyone. Everyone is so stressed and so so tight wound up. One little twang is all it takes for him to snap. Not. It's it. like there was. I was getting onto a flight, and you know that corridor before you get hmm. into the plane itself. There was one young fellow with a briefcase shoulder bag on his hand, uh, on his sh- shoulder, and he was actually physically pushing people aside in the line and shoving himself in front to get into the plane. So I stopped him. I said, "Do you think?" that getting into the plane faster than any of us is going to get you to mumbai faster than us so he stopped i said what is the problem why are you so stressed and then we started talking then i became his meditation teacher now he constantly and only you meet some losers and then he, and then he now he's a whatsapp friend and when he's really stressed out he he texts me like which meditation should i do so listen You, there are and i learned from him so there are learning and interesting experience every step of the way you just have to be open to it you can be open but you can learn from dicks you can learn from nice people i learned from both but <laughs> you don't learn from anybody you just yell scream and tell us what else what do you think of this protest why they protest all over the country and what is what do you think of my thesis okay so i you you kept on talking about the happiness index but i feel there's a lot of criticism that is being directed towards them nowadays hmm. uh, about their methodology and Also, a lot of countries that rank higher on the happiness index also report really high number of depression cases. Sure. Uh, the second thing is like high rate of suicide. High, high, actually, mm. yes, high, high rate, rate of suicide. High rate of suicide. Yeah, those are not in the Scandinavian, Scandinavian countries. Right. And I think uh, I agree with Madhu. Actually, I feel that Indians there is a class of Indians. Usually, these are white collar workers who are like just. I think we are really overworked and stressed. Mm. And I think that. uh probably manifests itself in some of the ways that you're talking about the dickness but uh, regarding the protest i was just wondering how much we see all these kind stories from all across the world now or we see a lot of coverage of protest so the fact that everyone has a smartphone or access to instagram does that also play a role uh, to make in, people behave better not just behave better but to, we now know that there's a protest going on over there mm. did probably earlier we didn't even know that there you know there's some protest in New York, sure, of course, that plays that plays a role. So, and I, uh, there was some interesting article I was reading. I didn't finish it. It was, uh, in fact, done by our team in Hong Kong about how Hong Kong is uh, now exporting its uh, protest techniques all over the world. Wow! No, although it was, I think it was whether the Chilean leader or uh, or or the Lebanese. He said that it's good that you should come out and protest. You must rather than come down on them. It is very clever. I thought maybe Mr. Modi can learn a thing or two. says inko to aana chahiye you must listen to them they they must you know demonstrate the 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 liberty and the, this thing of course you end up doing nothing but i think that's just such a fantastic position yeah and what would happen take. if he did that in kashmir you know if he if he, he said, said come out let's come protest out, let's yeah. hear it yeah. and, and i was speaking to someone in srinagar today he's uh, lived there generationally all his life like four generations of kashmir like mm. ancestors are from kashmir and he's over there so i was talking to him about what's happening and everything and he gave a very interesting suggestion he's 
for the lifting of Article 370. He's a Kashmiri Pandit who had to leave during, you know, in the mm. 90s and all that because neighbor kids, neighborhood mm. kids, his neighbors who used to come every evening to play table tennis in his house were the ones who came with guns mm. and swords and, and, and knives to kill mm. them. Mm. So they left and then they went back and everything. But he came up with a very interesting imaginative suggestion which I thought would be very valid if the... Modi government was willing to do it mm. which is that he says they sh- there are many Kashmiris who are in favor of lifting 370 mm. what they should do is to get in touch with these Kashmiris and ask them to go into schools and colleges and workplaces and public spaces and speak to them speak to the other Kashmiris about the advantages of article 370 being lifted I I'm saying it's an imaginative suggestion. But they're not enough. I I think it's a pipe dream because nobody, honestly, nobody cares about 370 in Kashmir. The only article they care about is 35A. Because 370, whether it's a union territory, it's a state, it was always ruled from Delhi. Everybody mm. knows that. These guys, they people call them puppets anyway, like mm. the Farooq Abdullahs and the Umar Abdullahs. Mm. So their only problem is that people will come and buy up their land and make them like a minority in their own country and the consequences it has for the dispute and all that. Mm. 370, nobody cares, honestly. No, but then but even addressing Article 35A by... I'm saying from the point of view of the Modi government, if I was in their position, if you want your theory to work, your for your policy to be implemented as you want it, I think that if they addressed this Article 35A that's saying that it'll bring you employment, it'll bring you business, it'll bring industry, it'll bring more education, it'll bring more hospitals, it'll bring all the kinds of things that Kashmir really needs. What I'm saying is that if they wanted to be successful, they have to engage with the people instead of just putting blocks of banning yeah, but that this is, and banning I don't think that. that is a realistic way of engaging because, I mean, I've been to Kashmir a few, you know, a dozen times in the last decade. If there are such people, there's, I mean, it, I mean, these kind of things can be, they're valid for anywhere in the country. That, but for, let me just finish this whole protest no, also, thing first. Sorry, well, well, one second, I just want to go on this. I just <laughs> want to go, I want to go on, on this. Uh, Manisha, yeah, on these protests all over the world and my thesis that Indians are just very aggressive and, and just very unhappy and sadawa. So as the, the Hong Kong people are also and Lebanese also? No, they're, their protests are very different from ours. At least the ones that I've not seen. The Hong Hong Kong not one. the Hong Kong ones. But no, the, actually, the ones in Britain, there was that uh, Extinction Rebellion, the environmental protest the other day. No, but the so connection they, of Sarud and the this tube. does not work. They stopped the tube. They climbed on top of the trains and there was a I'll come to you also. So cry. let's go one by one. Let's yeah. go to Manisha first. There's no connection with Sarud so, so and tell protest. Me, tell you, I come to you. Let me get her view first. <laughs> I think one uh, thing that I... And it's funny that you bring this up because I was having the exact same conversation with another friend who was in London and he was talking about... Uh, all these climate change protests that are happening where people have occupied the squares and they've been sleeping in tents in like prime areas and prime squares and just basically squatting there. And I, the one thing that I'd be keen to know and I was, and one thing that is scary in India, uh, politically looking at it, is how much protests are vilified in India. So even when you're talking about the farmers who were rallying, who were marching in Bombay, so many of the news people sort of portrayed them as, you know, Naxals or, or so much Many other protesters in the media, they're portrayed as um, troublemakers or anti-India elements. And you've seen that a lot over the past five years. And vilification of protest as a legitimate sort of mean to raise your voice or, you know, talk about the issues that you care about, that is pretty scary in India. And I don't see that happening in at least the coverage of protests in other countries. As far as Indians being dicks, I think I've... 
kind of agree with Abhinandan. But then we did some pretty repetitive because I think we've had this rant over the past few hours. Oh, we have? Okay, we'll drop it. <laughs> we don't care about any. I think maybe it's got to do something with weather. I weather, you know, but that is but that is actually part of Sanjay Rajora's. Sorry, go ahead. I think people also romanticize India a bit when they say that Indians are very happy or they are smiling or poor people also smiling. I don't think they're happy. I think they're fateless. We kind of accept our fate and we live with it and we don't uh, get angry about it, which is why, despite the great economic disparity, we don't have a civil war in India. Which is why the Congress celebrates when it loses. Just being fateless. मतलब that i suppose so yeah that's what so you'll always have some good people you'll always have some not so good people some will be dick some won't be <laughs> as simple as that so just one more point it's also true though that our protests also tend to turn quite violent like we burn buses or, you know ordinary farmers rallies can just sometimes turn into really violent spectacles which you don't see so much else maybe in south asian countries you do but not in other countries no that actually happened in london also no, like it happened the, in america austerity mm. became violent yeah before yeah. the olympics ah, what is what do you think madhu on protests see the first of all your theory on being khadus you said ah, or sadu 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 same sadu and and protest hmm. i don't think people protest because they're khadus or sadial they protest when there's an issue which they feel strongly about so their personal disposition has nothing to do with the protest at that point there might be a lot of khadus people in it there might be a lot of happy people in it. but if that issue is theirs if they feel that they need to do it that's the reason for protesting not because we are basically a khadus people that's one point and if anything i would say people large part of western countries when you Uh, move around in in public and in shops or in on the tube or wherever they are far more khadus than we are all right in in terms of personal interaction with strangers mm. much more khadus and i think it was uh, malcolm x who said that anger is a good thing if you use it correctly i'm paraphrasing mm-hmm. so in that sense i i do believe that when december 16 took place there was a positive anger and it was used well and the violence that took place was because the Congress party did not know how to handle it. Rahul Gandhi could have gone to the protesters and said, "I sympathize with you, we will take action." Instead, what did they do? They ordered tear gas, they ordered water cans and became an issue. Now that's good anger. It's good anger being used well. I don't think people were there because they're khadus or happy in their own personal lives. I think it was a strong motivation for something that was so horrendous. And I think that is why people protest not because of their personal disposition. So I, so I think your generalization does not sit right. So no, I just think that what you said about anger actually I've used that quote often including on a couple of panels. You should never lose the anger within you, but you should not become an angry person. I think we are a nation of angry people. It's not just we don't have fire in us. And of course generalization are right when the Janlokpal movement happened Armit Hasin Punawala that was my first interaction with Hasin Punawala was standing in the middle of that protest telling all of us and I was times now those days I still used to appear said debate and instead of a studio we were standing opposite each other and he was saying all these people are funded by RSS and they are like this and they are you know what what is it that they are um, anarchists they are anarchists yevo so in the middle of no one bashed him up 
I've debated with him. You know, some people around were upset. Try doing that in the BJP rally. That all these people are communal bigots. And tell me if you got out there alive. I don't think it's a coincidence that in our country, whether it is a train near Delhi or whether it is a small village in Bihar, that one person has a disagreement and everyone lynches him to death. So, no, but we have a mob mentality. That's different from being khadus. No, but we are khadus. A happy person won't do that. I don't think a happy person will watch anyone being beaten to death or participate in any such activity. The frequency and the amount of people in India who indulge in that shows that we are as and generalization are generalizations. They aren't accurate hundred percent. That is why it's a generalization. It's like, you know, Punjabis are aggressive, and you know, South Indians aren't that aggressive. I mean, I'm sure there are some people there who go around beating up people, but as a generalization, I think that's fairly true. I mean, I have a Punjabi family and I have a Tamil family. So generalizations are exactly generalizations. And as a generalization, I think there is enough evidence to show that we are a deeply unhappy and aggressive people as compared to most other people in the aggressive, world. Aggressive, yes, especially in unhappy mobs. Unhappy and aggressive, and, that, and that is a dangerous combination. In India, what we have seen is that a person who's alone may not react in the same way, but if he's with a mob, we've seen it over and over again. So we are covered mob gives a yes. Definitely, I agree with that. And the mob gives them license to their basest instincts to come out and the license to do vile things. That we have seen. Also, it's because there's impunity. The idea of law and order hasn't taken root as it should. I mean, like 100 years ago, they used to lynch uh, black people in the US. Hmm. They don't do that. They still face discrimination. They don't do that. Because they do that, there, there are consequences. In India, you lynch a person, you get garlanded. Sure. So that's that aspect also. Do you want to add? You are too quiet as a guest, Diksha. We can't have such quiet guests and we are told that you don't let your guests talk. No, I, uh, It was interesting. Most of the places you mentioned were in North India. Well, when that actor Rajkumar or whatever died of natural causes, no one killed him, no one kidnapped him. All these dudes went around and started burning yeah. buses and bashing. I'm like, dude... <laughs> I think I agree. I I think it's it's actually there is very little accountability. I feel that you can get away with a lot of these things, which is why people do it. I don't think it's a nationality thing. I don't think it's like we can say that Indians are unhappy or Indians are dicks. I I don't know. <laughs> Maybe it's a can... it's a bit of a lawless society. Is right. Maybe a more accurate. Thing okay. To uh, say. Uh, you to country up. also. Yeah. There's nothing really to be happy about. Happy Diwali to you too, Manisha. I'm sure you 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 having a great time at home. I mean, I would I would rather tolerate Delhi heat than live in Finland. You have joint family with all your relatives, you know, standing on your head doing things to you. So I mean, it's just sort of very happy country. I'm I'm not surprised. I mean, I would also be very angry if I wasn't in my class. I think if you're a certain class, you're still shielded. Hmm. Okay, I have another email. This is by Bhardwaj Ubadhyay. This subscriber has feedback. Hi, Newsline team. Long time subscriber. No doctorate this time. Sorry, just another software engineer from Bangalore. Are Bhardwaj, I'm going to be in Bangalore from the 6th to the, I think, 5th? No, 6th, 7th, 8th. Do write in and tell us if we can organize a Indira Nagar ke aspas, if we can organize a subscribers meet. So, and if any of you own a restaurant or something or know a friend who does, let us know. Yeah, we'll just go there and have the subscribers meet. So, Bhardwaj says, long-time subscriber here. I listen to most of your podcasts, including Hafta, although with some difficulty due to the very well-discussed tech issues. Well, Bhardwaj, you'll be thrilled to know I'm coming to Bangalore to solve exactly those issues. I normally write to Awful and Awesome, as it is a light-hearted podcast and I feel it easier to discuss. I have been a silent listener on Hafta for a long time and I admire the wide range of knowledge each panelist shares and yet none of them take themselves seriously enough to not take a joke. Regarding the femme fatale story from Kerala from a couple of episodes back, 
I, being a male, like to think myself a feminist, can't really know what women feel when they hear about such crimes from the fairer sex in inverted commas. But I am with Manisha here. I think Manisha was happy that women are not just seen as the fairer sex and can do no wrong of this magnitude. And thus, it can instill some sense of equality in the Indian male psyche, which is still in its nomadic state, being a developing nation with a young age of about 70, although it is surely improving. Supporting article for the male psych on Quartz India, Kerala men can't accept that a woman can't be intelligent and deadly enough to be a serial killer. And he has given a link to a Quartz story. And we have a Quartz uh, new editor here. I'm very Purely happy Queen. to hear that you're a reader. Quartz <laughs> yes. reader. Yes. But Bhardwaj, if it comes to subscribing to only one, we don't have I'll give you a 50% discount. I'll give you my love, bro. I'll give you my love. How about that? Plus love. Achya, plus love. Yeah, plus love. Love is not an add-on. Love is the primary motivation. Yeah. I felt also, he's a feminist. And he's not scared of it. That's amazing. So I'm okay with that. I'm so also a feminist. I'm no, a I feminist. said I love him because he's a feminist. He's oh, saying like that. that. Oh, okay. I would have loved him even if he wasn't a feminist. I would have loved him even <laughs> if he was a sinner. I would have loved him even if he was uh, Sister Coley or whatever who was. What was the name? Uh, who killed all those people? <laughs> Manisha, Manisha's a fan of yeah. so he just written I felt Madhu gave too much of a hard time to Manisha maybe that's what I got from the audio and they were just bantering also please stop munching or sipping during your turn to talk <laughs> Madhu did that today you can eat drink when not talking or a gentle nudge to your sound engineer thanks to the wonderful contribution called free media the strongest pill of democracy you've done right which I believe you guys are doing a very good job of thanks Bhardwaj uh, do write yeah, and let us know about do you think we can get enough people to have a subscribers meet in Bangalore now um, we have actually just very little time left and Deeksha also has to go Chidambaram got bail in the CBI case but he's still in because of the ED case and uh, in the first IRCTC that is Indian Railway will pay a compensation of 1.62 lakh to 950 passengers a first in the history of railways after the Tejas Express was behind schedule so 1.6 divided by 950 how much does everyone get? Oh, it doesn't matter but this is a very good thing because it brings a little bit of accountability huh. the idea that they are accountable to they'll have to pay damages is something even if it's a small amount to begin with but I'm just thinking if the railway starts doing this to every train what about the flights? it'll be, it'll be bankrupt yeah no but then they'll flights? have to make sure that this these precedent things is like, run on time groundbreaking because the kind of times the number of times that Air India does it to people yeah they're finished. Indian airlines first have to pay salaries. They'll say, give us a competition, they get in line. <laughs> that That's the beauty of... Hey, of but we all pay insurance when we're booking our tickets, right? Do, do you all click and pay that one rupee every time you book a train ticket? But so making that's, that's for delays. I think that's only if there's an accident or something. Na? Although, I mean, I, I'm also quite certain that if I die in an air crash, uh, I the credit card, you get an automatic one crore insurance. Did you know that? No. When, you, when they come and give you these credit cards... They say, what benefits will you get? points come karoge. And said, if you die in an air crash, only in an air crash, not generally, then your family gets one crore. So I was like, that's, they said, and that's part of the deal. I mean, you don't have to pay extra premium for it. That is lifetime. As long as you have the credit card, if you die in an air crash, your family gets one crore. But if you have that credit card on you and God forbid, like so, so that is, each time I fly, I give my family a credit card. Here, I'll cash si kam <laughs> <laughs> By chance, our good luck nikla hai <laughs> But uh, yeah, but no, I don't think Manisha. Anyone is insured against flight delays. If you have been giving one rupee for that, it's you've been you've been robbed of lots of one rupees. Mm. Just saying. 
now i the last thing that i want to discuss and after this we'll just take everyone's um, suggestions and wind up the news report is the assam cabinet on monday decided that no government jobs will be given to persons having more than two children after the 1st of january 2021 the important decision was taken at a cabinet meeting held late monday evening that adopted a new land policy which will give 3 bigas of agriculture land to landless indigenous people and half a biga for constructing a house A communique from the Chief Minister Sarbanand Sonowal's public relations cell stated that those having more than two children will not be considered for government jobs. I want to know what you think because I know the Rajasthan government had done a similar thing a few years ago, which was for um, school teachers or oh you can't fight the panchayat election. That was Haryana. What is Haryana? Haryana, yeah. Okay. So you can't fight. Panchayat elections. If you are not tenth pass or something, and you have children yes, more than two children, yes, and, yeah. some, but that then it was retracted. I I know Rajasthan was planning route because I remember that time uh, Sindhya was the chief chief minister. Uh, uh, what's her name? Vasundhara Raje. But I don't know if they went through with it because we no, discussed it on the hafta. No, but this was a court order that the court like ratified that decision. Oh, I see. So it's in Haryana. It exists right now. I am not sure about at, I'll just as Google of this it. moment. Yeah, but uh, it was Google the court it. that said, yeah, you can go ahead with but this. But I want to know what you think of a rule like this. Is it democratic? Is it fair? Does it make sense, or does it go against the very essence of democracy? Madhu, why don't you start on this one? I don't know. It seems a bit extreme, but the problem is that ever since the emergency, we've not been able to put any real policy in for population control. So I guess people are sneaking things in like this. There has to be some form of population control for obvious economic reasons. So suddenly, an overpopulated country became a great country with a huge market. So it kind of for that reason also it kind of died. But um, to throw this on someone who already has three children, I think is unfair. Okay. So two things. One, this idea that uh, population is a problem has been like roundly debunked with, by research everywhere. It's not a. It's an asset. It's not a problem if you know how to use the asset well. Second thing is, even if you have to do that, I mean, there's no justification. Even if you have to do that, you can't just keep it two years, three years down the line. People who are already married and have children, what do you do? Maybe you say like twenty years down the line, then people will so, sort of plan accordingly. But you can't just force it on people. Like China's one-child policy has has failed. Ah, it's been a disaster. Hmm. Uh, Manisha. Oh, sorry. Uh, there's an uh, interesting bit about. Uh, regarding the population thing yes in uh, belgium i think hmm. so they got they had this problem aging population people were not having many children so they started paying people to go on like holidays and basically have they would sex. pay uh, yeah they would pay them f- to have sex to good okay <laughs> she has had a policy for decades on uh, encouraging couples to have children so the more children you have the more benefits you get in japan also because their population is there's negative growth so they are trying to yeah. get people to because people are not cohabiting or copulating oh, by the way so i just googled this is from 2016 both rajasthan and haryana new rules for contesting oh. panchayat election polls exclude women minorities from political system and that is because of minimum okay, yeah. education and typically in both those states women are not educated so they cannot contest so it was true for both manisha what do you think so just one um, question i had if anyone of you have clarity on that this uh, new communicate that assam government sent it says that government jobs only given to people after 2021 so does it mean after 2021 if you have three children you're not no no this rule comes into no, effect no this rule comes into effect after 2021 basically from then on this rule is active but it will be applicable to people who have already have three children before yes, 2021 yes yes okay. so you so have you you have until yes, 20- my personal view on this is that i think social change uh, you can't sort of have a cohesive way of social change and things like population control i don't think you can have a punitive way of looking at it, it has to happen through advertisements through advocacy through grassroots work 
I, I, so basically, you have up to 2021 to get someone to adopt your extra child. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, if you want to do something, then But, okay, I, I see all your, everyone's arguments are about the effectiveness of this program. My point is, even if it is effective, but it's undemocratic. I completely agree with you. Um, I think, I also think that, uh, so I was just reading up on this, that India's, uh, the replacement level, uh, the fertility replacement level, it's already approaching, so the UN says it should be 2.1. And in India, it is already 2.2. So we are actually nearing that number. So I don't know why some states need to bring in such draconian measures. And also studies have shown that if you, um, if the woman is educated and if she marries late in life, the, you know, the, she automatically has fewer kids. So, yeah. you know, that's a better way of going about this. And there was this really interesting John Oliver show on the impact of China's one child policy. And uh, it's it's just like heartbreaking what that policy has done to that country. And I think I, I, I still don't understand why some governments are going for I think such it's measures. just an excuse because they don't have jobs to give to people. So they just came up with this that, okay, we won't. Or th- th- they're just jealous that people are getting laid. That sounds so much like all the, all the single RSS people. Because it's for farm and because there's the NRC thing there, I I wouldn't be surprised if it's also something to sort of, again, target minorities because the popular discourse is that these Muslims have, you know, so many children trying to overtake the Hindu population. So I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if there's some sort of thinking of that sort behind this. All right. On that note, can I please request everybody to give their suggestions that would enrich our listeners' lives. But before you give your recommendations, I would just like once again to remind our listeners that there is something called the AsiaPodcastAwards.com and they have made the mistake of nominating two News Laundry podcasts, one in the Best Education Podcast category, one in the Asia's Best Podcast category. That is awful and awesome. And in the Education category, let's talk about so go to asiapodcastawards.com and click on the relevant category and please vote for a News Laundry podcast. The last date is on 31st of October. I'd also like to remind you to pay to keep news free. Go to newslaundry.com, click on the subscribe button and pay. And if you are listening to this on Stitcher or iTunes or CastBox or any other podcast platform, give us a high rating and write a favorable review. It really helps us. Tell other people how much you love us. And how useful we are. Just go up to someone saying, hey, you listen to podcasts? They say, yes. So they might listen to newslaundry.com. They say, okay. So, Madhu, what are your recommendations? I uh, found this lovely book. It's kind of text and graphic. Uh, it's called Trust No Auntie. It's by Maria Kamar. And it's a great fun book to read. I think the women will love it. It's not for guys. Okay. Then I sh- must read it. Uh, so there's this uh, article. It's an old article uh, called "How Democrats Kill Their Populist Soul." Because we've been talking about the how the corporate structures work with Infosys and democracy and all that. It's by this uh, uh, person called Matt Stoller. He's a fellow with the Free Marx Institute in the U.S. This is sort of centered on the U.S., but it speaks a lot about how corporate about corporate governance how democracy and uh, corporations interact and how they affect the lives of ordinary people uh, he has also come out a book which is sort of based on this article it's called goliath the 100 year war between monopoly power and democracy but the problem is it's just released so it's on amazon dot in but it's a bit expensive because they have to import it from there and if you want an india centric view about the same things uh, please read a feast of vultures the hidden business oh, of yeah. democracy in india by Josie the journalist joseph. josie joseph it's an it's a wonderful wonderful book 
opens your eyes to a lot of things so that is my recommendation for this week all right manisha um so a piece on the print by sneha shalik philip uh, indian military must not become another lying isps pakistan army propaganda wing i think it's a timely piece that everyone should read we have a piece by david da- david r on news laundry on um, the congress hearing on kashmir and uh, rp chikku's journalist from time india times of india giving her uh, speech there uh, her I think that's also an interesting piece that raises a lot of questions. Yeah. That's it. Diksha? So we've, uh, at Quartz, we've just released a special project, which is called The World in 50 Years. And we have just gone around and asked some of the boldest thinkers what the world will look like in 50 years. And some of the questions are like, you know, what will, be pe- what will people eat in 50 years? Or what will cause the biggest conflicts? Or how will people earn a living? So I think it might be interesting uh, to some of your readers. I'm curious what are they going to eat in 50 years. So it depends on whose answer you're reading. Insects. Uh, one uh, person said that there will be no eating, no breathing, no drinking, no using the bathroom, the flesh will be gone, paving the way for the exploration of how intelligent we can become. Okay. Uh, uh, my guess on is insects. Note. <laughs> Because that that's where the most research is being done, how to make insects palatable. and they've come up with a few uh, you know test they foods they come up with a thing that you don't need to eat at all because That's insects are a very huge source of protein yeah. and yeah and and there's so much basically you know they are under the ground they're buried but if you take insects and all the landmass of of on the planet if you just pile up insects i think they will form a pile 6 feet thick all across the world that's how many insects there are so if we can turn them into a source of food then you don't have to kill animals and lots of proteins also ah but then again they are also being affected by the climate change because lots of species have just gone extinct insects insect colonies insect species kya fir apni barat mein aadmi log le aunga but people do say that agriculture and food will change more in the next 50 years than it has in the last 10000 years all right So my recommendation is um this piece uh the link is will be below for all these pieces it's on we work the we work crisis and of the soft bank economy and and how uh, i mean it's a story of we work and this fascinating story of its founder i think it's a must read founder of of we work adam newman so it's in the new york times uh this piece and i think it's a fascinating case study of the whole vc gig and and how If you're a smooth talker, you can sell anything to anyone. What's no the headline? How, the headline is how Adam Newman is winning amid WeWork's crisis. And if you just read the other corresponding pieces, some that are linked to here of of WeWork, I think it's a fascinating story, and it can, you know, like that that uh, Netflix film about that fire party. What was that party? That fire fire mm-hmm. festival. I think this is that that level of bizarre. And on that note I'd like to wish all our subscribers and even non-subscribers those of you who listen to this for free uh, just want to remind you that we are sitting in an office that we pay approximately a lakh 20 or lakh 30 a month for uh, speaking on mics each of these I think cost some 8 10 grand uh, we're working on recorders one of that's got spoiled that's gone to the workshop so we just are left with one which costs about 35 grand uh with a producer and a sound recorder so sitting who are paid salaries and with electricity but i'm glad you're enjoying this podcast for free because of course no one needs to fucking pay right it, it just comes to you for free but those of you who are paying thank you hope all of you have a great diwali and may the festival lights light up your life and support independent news to light up the lights of others because if you pay for a lighthouse it helps many ships coast to safety so be a lighthouse while others are mufat khors you know who i'm talking to 
on that happy note i'll leave you with this happy song goodbye thank you panel bye bye come on and shine shine like a star shine and so bright like the star that you are oh shine into the future spreading your light wherever you are all the news laundry podcasts are available on stitcher itunes and any other podcast platform please subscribe to news laundry help us keep news independent to catch all our podcasts on news pop culture current affairs and sport visit newslaundry.com follow us on facebook twitter and instagram and subscribe to our youtube channel